listening to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share their practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career and life satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, we are breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch those Sunday blues. Welcome to No More Mondays. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No More Mondays. As always, I'm your host, Angie Callen. Have you ever met somebody who is just relentless? Nothing can stop them, nothing will keep them down, and nothing will deter them from moving forward and achieving success on their terms. They reinvent themselves time and again, and each version seems to be bigger and badder than the last. Well, today I've got one of those for you. From touring with the Eagles on the Hotel California tour as a chef right out of high school, to cooking for Fleetwood Mac, Pink Floyd, and countless other Hollywood elites, to creating a line of fine foods for Trader Joe's, Matthew Gray can seem a little larger than life. But that isn't even the tip of the iceberg. A greeting card company, a massage and fine dining company, picked up by a worldwide news outlet, talk radio, the Hawaiian chat universe, food writer, critic, all of it led Matthew to starting Hawaiian Food Tours, a social experiment that entertained and educated hungry travelers in Hawaii. And big success came out of that, the $9 million kind, only to have, in Matthew's words, the COVID shit show cause it to come crashing down. And here he is reinventing himself once again and inspiring all of us through his journey. Matthew Gray, welcome to No More Mondays. Aloha, Angie. Thank you for having me. You couldn't have possibly just read my bio, could you? Uh, maybe, perhaps. Does, does it seem like you have done all those things? That that it does sound like me when I look behind my shoulder and I and I connect the dots. That that's me. But it didn't sound uh, it didn't sound quite accurate at the moment. It sounded like overwhelming. Well, even when I read it, I was like, "Holy cow! Where are we going to take this conversation?" And and to let all of you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. Which is one of the fun things about getting to know somebody in a conversation that is recorded because you just kind of meander and see what gems come out of it. And, and, and I think even you alluded to the fact that like we could spend an entire episode talking about cooking for rock stars in the seventies, but we're not going to. And I kind of gave you this like sweeping summary of all the things Matthew has done in his life, but I would love you to kind of tell everybody a little bit about you in your own words, what's important to you and give everybody your reader's digest version of yourself. Wow, the Reader's Digest version. Angie, I think that I first want to say aloha to everybody who's watching right now. Uh, If you were to describe me, I would just be this endlessly curious guy who digs technology, loves people, loves food, wants to bring the world together, wants to heal as many as I can touch. And I'm in a pay it forward mode in my life right now. So that would be my elevator pitch. Uh, I feel like that's a great summary for exactly where I was hoping we would go here, because it really feels like, and even you mentioned this to me, that there's kind of this idea of this culmination of experiences and curiosity is such a great word and, and realizations and life lessons that have come out of all of the things that you really want to apply and help people, uh, you know, through that life, career, whatever it, it may be. 
You know, that's so true. Back in 2020, when my 16-year business, Hawaii Food Tours, got crushed by the COVID shit show, I was sitting there spinning in the wind and twisting in the wind, just like everyone else was, figuring, well, what am I going to do next? So after I went into hibernation for a while, I decided, you know, my next stage in life here is to help others. So whether it be creative people who don't know how to bridge the gap between their creativity and their business ideas, or whether it's people who want to beat their disease or get off of medications or lose weight. So I'm just out there helping as much as I can, whether it's design or communication or technology. That's kind of what I'm doing right now. I'm like feverishly taking notes on all these things I want to ask you about. But I do want to just live in the pain for a second because there are People out there who are still trying to figure it out. Maybe there was a layoff because of the recent waves of layoffs or financial challenges because some of the things that are happening in the market right now. I would love for you to talk through how you overcame and bounced back from that really big loss of not, it's not even just the financial loss of of the Hawaiian food tours, but the mental emotional component that came from building a business for 16 years and having it crash down, like how did you mentally and even logistically work through that? Well, I, you know, to be totally honest with you, I dropped to my knees and I cried for months uh, before I was able to get up and try to reinvent myself. So I'm no different than anyone else. I, I felt the pain, I felt the depression and the anxiety and all that. So uh, you don't want to live in that for very long if you can help it. So you have to reach out if you have any sort of a social network or any mentors in your life, you can reach out and ask good questions and then connect the dots from your past and think about what you'd be good at or what you'd really want to do now because finding a job is very difficult in the post-COVID world. So you have to go out there and at least make yourself happy. So follow your heart and your creativity. And if you're good at doing that, the money will come because trying to get a great paying gig right from the get-go is a very difficult procedure. So might as well try to satisfy the creative part of you and then things will start to roll from there. And that's exactly what I did. Well, and I I appreciate that you're as vulnerable to say as if like I didn't really bounce back at first. (laughs) I wallowed for a little while and that's because you're, you know, you're human. So even though there's, uh, you know, all these kind of really interesting aspects to your story when it still comes down to it, you had to grieve that for a little while and then bring in the right resources and just pick yourself up and take a step forward. You didn't necessarily figure it out right out of the bat. I would say maybe even you're still figuring it out, right? I'm still mourning, definitely. Uh, but, you know, you put on a happy face and you, and you try to begin each day with a little bit of a good gesture towards someone else and then things start to roll. And when you're doing stuff that you really enjoy and you're helping people uh, succeed, you start to forget a little bit about what's going on inside. And I think that in every good healer and every good therapist or psychologist or friend, you know that they've been suffering just like you. But when you start to engage and you start to reach out and touch people, you forget about all your stuff going on. Uh, Yeah, I think when you can get out of your, because we're really good about being in our own heads, if you can translate that to an external uh, mechanism or outlet for some of the the energy and and emotions, it can make a huge difference to just, it's it's almost like faking yourself into a way to move forward, even though mentally you don't really want to move forward. 
That's for sure. That, you know, that is something that I think is in everyone's mind. So yeah, when you wake up, if you're not feeling so great, do something interesting. Uh, Every morning I get up and I make my two kitty cats scrambled eggs. So that's how I get out of my funk if I'm in one when I wake up. So I go into my kitchen, I find my Zen place, I cook for the kitty cats, and then I worry about what's for the rest of the day. You better watch out or you're going to get a third cat named Taco Cat if he finds out that that uh, you make scrambled eggs every morning. My cat's going to go to swim over to Hawaii and be like, I'm living with you, man. <laughs> if you need a cat sitter, I'm definitely your guy. All right. No doubt about it. Deal. Well, and this is an interesting, you, so you you kind of segued perfectly to something I wanted to kind of ask a little about, and that is food really has always been the center, seems like it has been the center of a lot of your life decisions, your successes, and just, and kind of the opportunities that has presented itself. So talk to me a little bit more about that common theme in your life. Well, I will, and you'll be able to relate to this, I'm sure, because every day in your life, during your life, you're eating multiple times each day. So because we're eating multiple times each day, and I'm not talking even about snacking, you're spending time with loved ones, friends, associates, business partners, etc. So you want to make the best of it. And because food always equaled love in my family, and some other confusing aspects of food and relationships, uh, it really stuck with me. And I really enjoyed the flavor and the architecture and the color and the aroma. And most especially, the social aspect of connecting with other people across the table when we're eating. So that was a big part of my world ever since I was a little kid, using our pet dog Happy as a step stool to see what mom was cooking on the range. Uh, so there was a lot going on, you know, and, you know, all the way from when I was a little kid to when I became a chef and I went to school in London doing that to when I started cooking for rockers, entertaining clients. It was always with a food background. Food and drink has always been a really Really important aspect of my life. I uh, so you you're going to need to listen to, and I need to introduce you to my new friend Joe Gatto. He was just on a recent episode of of the podcast. He's a chef, and uh, and and we got into such a really amazing conversation about that kind of connection and and the wiring we have in our brain when it comes to memories and everything around food. And I think it's just it's it's interesting that this is a recurring conversation here on a podcast about having no more Mondays in a satisfying life, because I would agree with you that it was the, always very much the center of, of, of our home. You know, my mom is very much, you know, a cook. That's how she shows her love. And that kind of hosp- hospitality, I think, passed on to me. And And I actually think that it's important to remember that because food has almost we've almost moved away from that kind of center of the home, kitchen, hearth kind of thing as fast food and HelloFresh and all these very like convenience mechanisms have come up. But there's so much more to gain from the food experience than just the straight up need to eat. Oh, yeah. You know, when I go out and I see people sitting across the table from each other and they're on their cell phones, I think that that's the wrong way to do life. I think you need to savor and appreciate learn how to taste and learn how to communicate. Scientists will say that if you have the social skills, you'll have the success. If you don't have the social skills, it doesn't matter how smart you are, you'll never get through. So that was something that was always very near and dear to my heart and my brain. And I've been able to exercise that. It's very important to me. So I don't want any distractions when I'm engaging with you or anyone else who means something to me. Uh, So here's your first tip for Matthew and Angie, the dinner table. First, you should eat at it. And second, 
Uh, make it a phone-free zone. We actually did that. So uh, now that Jim and I live in, for those of you that listen to this frequently, now that we live in a real house and not a tiny house where there was no dining room table, we actually made our dining room table a phone-free zone. And sometimes we're like, I don't have anything to talk to you about. And we just sit there in, in, un, in, in slightly uncomfortable, comfortable silence together. And it's lovely. But, you know, we're together. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about you as a personality and how I think food logically integrates into it is you seem to have a, like a broad range of interests across like creative outlets, science, social. And, and there are very few elements in life where you actually can combine all of those types of aspects. That's true. That's why I'm highly unemployable and uh, I do my own thing. So yeah, it's because I got so much going on, you know, it's enough just to kind of corral it in my brain. This is why you and I are, are meant to be friends because I, I always say that is I'm not, I'm not very employable. And I've always, I also, I would say just even from a very like logical perspective, used to struggle with finding a way to um, uh, activate that like I would say I'm more of like a strategic creative. I'm not artistic creative. Oh, good Lord. Do not give me anything to color with. But I also have like an analytical side and it can be hard to find ways that that kind of collectively activate that. And I feel like that's kind of what you're all about, even now that you're kind of moving on from, you know, a very food centric existence to more of almost some coaching and consulting type of stuff. Yeah, that's right. Although I hesitate harshly to call myself a coach because everybody you meet nowadays, post-COVID world, they call themselves a coach. Hey, I was one before COVID. <laughs> okay, there you go. Well, you're okay then. You get you get the pass. But but all these kids out there who want to teach me about finances and about wealth and about, uh, you know, getting over it, it's like, come on. You know, I don't think so. So, uh I have the experience. I, I've got the years on me. Uh, you know, I'm older than the faces you see on cash, and uh, but I'm very valuable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, some 22 year old just went, "What's a dollar bill?" Uh, but uh, well, and right. just anecdotally, I'm going to level with you. I really struggle with the word coach. I did when I did when I decided to brand myself a one. It was more of a simple marketing uh, exercise of you got to, that's what people call you, like call people that do what I do. So I had to kind of speak the language of the audience, but it has become a watered down term. And I will get off of that soapbox now because we were, we were chatting before the show uh, just about some of these different elements you're doing in the broad scale of all of the life, the life wisdom you have to impart on people. Uh, and uh, one of the things you mentioned to me that I thought was a great little rabbit hole to go down to is this idea of helping creatives specifically work through the challenges of kind of starting a business, becoming entrepreneurs and executing uh, the non-creative aspects of, of trying to, to build something from that. So tell me a little bit more about that. There are a lot of people out there right now who are really creative and very, very talented. And they think, wow, wouldn't it be great if I could sell my music or I could sell my pottery or if I could balance my checkbook, there's a lot going on in life that people are unable to take care of until they learn it. And so setting myself up as a person who understands how to transition, how to create the bridge from creativity to business and bring them together helps a lot of people. And it's something that I struggled with early on as well. How do I take this great idea? How do I present this to Trader Joe's? How do I do whatever it is I want to do? So I had to learn those skills. And I think that is really, really important factor when it comes to being a creative, spirited person, but not knowing how to take the next step. And I think some of it comes in 
to from a confidence perspective because a creative or an artistic outlet is you're so much more emotionally connected to it than you are something like physically tangible. And so there's a level of vulnerability that comes in even just putting yourself out there. True. I think that, you know, I was rejection, rejected so many times when I was growing up by young girls who I, who I wanted to get together with that I learned about rejection in that kind of social space. And so any of the rejection that the world was going to give me wasn't going to hurt as much as the rejection I got from the young girls that I was trying to pick up, so to speak. So that was actually a very valuable lesson for business is that get used to the rejection. It's going to happen. You're going to get your ass kicked plenty, but just overcome, just do it again. What's the worst that could happen? I love the idea. Oh, I'm a big, I'm a big, what's the, what's the worst case scenario kind of thing. Cause a lot of people just, you get the doomsday anxiety scenarios, but they're, they're anxiety ridden, right? They, they aren't really the realistic downside. And so if you could just take a step back and go, okay, what's the worst thing could happen? I might fail and I'll learn something and I'll use all of that to do the next thing. Oh, yeah. I have failed so many times. It's almost uncountable. The good part about that is that I succeeded more often than I failed. But I know failure. I know how it feels and I know what it looks like. And, you know, that in and of itself is a shit show. So I think that you can't ever attain a successful place in life if you haven't failed several times along the way. Well, and if you don't fail, you're not trying hard enough. But I also... You know, Matthew brings up a good point. You know, deep down that you've succeeded more than you've failed, but it can be hard to remember that because we just beat ourselves up over the failures. So, you know, make sure that you you give yourself credit for the wins, too. That's right. You have to get up to bat to hit a home run. If you don't step up, you can never do it. So you have to try. And anyone who thinks that they're a perfectionist, I think you should let go of that idea because perfection does not exist. So go for the excellence. Why not be excellent instead of trying for perfection? Oh, that's a great replacement for that. You know, the perfection, the, the, that perfectionism thing comes up a lot here on No More Mondays because it tends to, it is, let's just put it out there. It's a weakness, not a strength because it tends to keep you from moving forward. It keeps you in analysis paralysis uh, it wastes time. It has so many more downsides than than upsides. So I think that if you want to take the little the little good things that perfectionism does provide, you call that excellence. I love that. Yeah, I think that's definitely the way it goes because people who, just like you said, if you're going for being a perfectionist, you'll never get anything done. You'll always stop at that fear, which is the tiniest speed bump there is. So just get past that and look at yourself and say, I need a checkup from the neck up and I need to start thinking about what's going on here in my life. This guy does know a thing or two, by the way. You should all kind of tune into him. We're going to tell he's got a podcast. It's got a fun name. We'll tell you about it in a minute. But I want to go back to something. So I'm going to tell a story. of I don't ever tell anybody this story. So apparently you've brought something out of me. But it goes back to what you were saying about those formative years when you were kind of rejected by the uh, opposite sex. I had I had a similar experience. And a lot of it, I, I want to think, is because my dad was my high school math teacher. And so boys were like, we're not going near Mr. Morosco's daughter. However, <laughs> thanks, dad. <laughs> However, uh, I think that in a way, and I'm curious if you, I have not reflected on this. You You brought this out in me in real time. So I'm working through it. But I'm wondering if... You, for you, and also if for me, that built an earlier, thicker skin to rejection that ended up becoming a benefit 
later in life because you already kind of had a foundation and you'd already exercised that muscle a little. Yes. A thicker skin, a lot of times people will use that terminology as a protection device and as a negative, but really it's armor. And if you armor yourself, you can protect yourself for the future. So yeah, that's all part of it. And, you know, I was able to uh, enjoy the company of of girls, the opposite sex who had dads in powerful positions. I just had to learn to grab my stuff and jump out of the window in time if he ever walked in. <laughs> you had an exit strategy. Lesson number two for Matthew Gray. Have an exit strategy. I love it. Always know where that stuff is. Yeah. You all, you get, be aware <laughs> at all times. Um, right. So so let's kind of go back to this idea of that kind of creative the roadblocks that creatives in, in particular, I think any entrepreneur comes, can, any any want to be entrepreneur can come across these roadblocks. But I would love to for you to just give us like three very specific tips on how you can bridge that business and creativity to really create a foundation to get you going forward. The first tip for somebody who is either a creative, as they're mentioned now, or a business person without creativity, the first thing to do is realize that you don't have the other side of that coin in your own possession. So you need to reach out, learn, listen, watch YouTube, find a mentor, anybody who can help you take the next step. So I never had a problem with making an approach and shaking someone's hand. This is all pre-internet days. So this is before the days where you could just send out emails and texts and stuff like that. So you had to communicate with people in a face-to-face -face manner. So don't be fearful about speaking to an attorney or speaking to a doctor, someone with a lot more education, someone who's older than you, who has more wisdom. Obviously, that's part of growing up and what you get. So if you can learn to speak to somebody who has the skills that you do not at the moment, don't be fearful. Make the approach. Ask some questions. I think that's a great piece of advice. And I don't know I don't know why people, especially younger, I don't mean to harp on younger, but it seems to come up more frequently in younger people. They're really hesitant, even resistant or fearful of reaching out and asking for help, even if that help is just, hey, I'd love your advice. I come across this when I'm trying, you know, to encourage them to network with people or have an informational interview in a career sense. But even in, in this business sense, I feel like even though we have this illusion of being more connected than ever, we're more resistant to kind of lean into that. And I'm, I'm curious what you would say to that and how you would recommend somebody overcome that. I can explain it before I, I start to give good advice on that. I think one of the explanations that I would use and other scholars would use related to that is that it comes down to somehow, for some reason, people believing that if they ask for help, that there's less help available or that there's not enough to go around. It's that kind of mentality that there's just not enough success available out there. And if I ask you a question like, hey, Angie, how do I do this or that, that I'm showing you that I'm weak and that I don't understand and that I'm giving it up because of that. And so the, the reason to ask questions is to grow and realize that the cream always rises to the top, but you'll never become cream if you don't get the necessary ingredients for cream. And that's getting answers to your questions. You got to get fat to be creamed to rise to the there top because that's what's on the top. 
That's right. That's right. And then after you get fat, then you learn how to take care of that fat and you learn how to, you know, maintain your life and your lifestyle. And you'll feel much better when you do that. When you just reach out and learn a little bit, then you can make really good educated maneuvers. I think this goes back to something you said at the very beginning, just about you and that you've always approached life with a curiosity. And I think that that's a great thing to kind of bring into this part of the conversation because you hit the nail on the head with this idea that asking for help or asking for advice or admitting what you don't know you don't know makes you look weak. When in reality, it's it's very much just being curious and say and being willing to say, I would like to know more about this thing. That doesn't make me a terrible person because I don't already. When I was really young, I asked so many questions. It drove my parents crazy. And they used to always say, let's let the dog run free and tie Matthew to the tree. So they just didn't know how to handle my energy it was of a, of a little kid who just wanted to know why and what and when and where. But I think that, you know, they got used to it. I broke them in. And I think that after a while, it's really kind of paid off for me. Uh, and, and just asking questions, being curious is going to help you no matter what. And I feel like if, if, if I would make an observation on, your, on, the hi- like on the hindsight of your path is that you leverage that curiosity to not even create opportunity, but leverage what became a really great opportunity that you would not have thought was if you weren't curious to lean into it. That's true. And plus, I always was willing to barter my skills and abilities and talents and whatever else I had in return for whatever you could give me. And I do that to this day. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. There's an old adage that we could use a little more of today. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We need to support each other. And, you know, the world is in in a weird place right now. You know, we're less social and everyone is still reeling. But every generation has stuff like this that happens. But we have the ability to be able to do a high touch world. And that's what my world has always been. Uh, in the BC years, which is before COVID and now as well. So I pay attention to that. And I always want to see a beautiful smile like yours on people's faces when I interact with them. And I want to be able to make sure that you feel good at the end of the day. I love the BC. I love BC for so many reasons. I always refer to it as a Martinez on our NPR calls it the before days, but I don't know. The BC might be even, even better because guess what? There were some really nice things about those dark ages the uh, the analog world had some benefits and you know not to dog technology because it's it does it creates curiosity for people like you and I it creates opportunities too but it's also i think of a, a little bit of like a, a false bottom when it comes to that connectedness and we're we're almost we're less connect we're more we're less authentically connected now even though we have the ability to be hyper connected uh, because of the nature of those interactions. And I think it's really important to go put your phone down at the dinner table and make sure you're really connecting with real humans because that's that's a huge aspect to the social piece of us. So uh, going kind of back to the evolution since those days of you and the world, um, I want I want to talk a little bit about this, you know, going back to this idea of like being at, at almost kind of rock bottom or in a really not very desirable space. What words of wisdom would you have for somebody out there who feels really stuck? Things aren't going the way they thought they would. They got they got handed a big blow. You know, whatever it is, they're in a holding pattern. How do they, you know, move forward? 
Well, for everyone who's listening to us or watching us now, because they're the ones who are most important, because I'm not speaking to the world and speaking to you and them right now, is reach out to someone like me who wants to help and, you know, who's not going to charge you money and who's going to help you get the next step accomplished. So find somebody, don't sit there and wallow or sit there and wallow and still contact me and I'll help you get past that. So you really, really have to reach out, learn, understand, ask questions and find someone like, like myself who wants to help. Because when you reach a certain age and you're in that pay it forward mode, we're really receptive to people who want to step forward and want to get out of all the yuck and the muck and the mire. And uh, there's a recurring theme here. It is ask for help. Go ahead and be vulnerable. The big thing is the reason Matthew and I do the stuff that we do is because you don't have to go do this alone. There are a lot of successful people, a lot of so-called successful people who may have attained wealth or may have had children or may have a fancy sports car or have a wonderful wardrobe or all those things, those, those imaginations of what success is, but really success is about having a sense of calm and peace and tranquility inside yourself and being able to really, truly love the people you love. That quality of love thing is so important. And that's what I think people kind of experience that disconnect. They don't understand the depth and the quality of love and social commitment. Well, and it starts with you ready for the mic drop moment, everybody? It starts with yourself. And this has been something that has come up a lot lately on this podcast. I'm starting to wonder if it's some sort of recurring theme I'm supposed to be listening to because when I see, I pay attention to recurring themes. But this idea of internal happiness, internal satisfaction, and internal knowing that is the foundation that you have to have before you can ever be externally happy with your job or your business or your relationships or whatever it may be. Angie, that, that was perfectly put. And I just want to let people know that happiness is something we all strive for. And unhappiness is something we have all experienced, but they're not opposite of each other. And the way to get happy is to decrease your unhappiness. So it's hard to increase your happiness, but you can decrease your unhappiness. I hope that's registering with people. And I help people understand that difference and how to do that. Well, and I like that we keep coming back to like little, we can reinforce something we said earlier. That's that armor piece, right? If you're able to build armor for yourself, things roll off your back a little bit easier. And therefore you have less you have fewer factors in your life that cause unhappiness, which means that energy can translate into happiness. It's kind of like a scale, right? So if you decrease the unhappiness, which is easier to do, then the happiness factor raises up while the unhappiness decreases. So it's an interesting kind of scale. And scientists have done a lot of work on that. And that's something that I, I understand at this point. So, yeah, build up the skin, build up the character. People say it'll build your character. I go, I've got enough character. No, you don't. We have to continue to build our character always. Even somebody like Matthew Gray, who's cooked for Fleetwood Mac, never has enough character for yourself and keep leaning into that. But it's uh, the, to me, it's like unhappiness and happiness are inversely proportional, right? It's, and I think it's really important because there's also choice there, right? You, you all have, we have the ability to choose 
whether something makes us unhappy or we allow it to sit it, it sit, set it aside so that it is not detracting from the inverse, which is happiness. That's true. That's true. Different sides of your brain affect different parts of your personality and different sides of your brain affect the creative or the business. And that's another thing. If you can learn this, it's a good thing to understand which parts of your brain are being stimulated and how can I stimulate the parts that are not. So when you see how things start to work together, you go, wow, this is an interesting matrix to borrow from a very familiar term, but that's exactly what we are. We're like trying to fit that web together inside of our mind, which becomes our life and tomorrow. Well, in my my real world example of that myself and and everybody out there listening knows has heard, you know, part of this story that I started my career as an engineer and I was I was encouraged to do that because as a student I was very good at math and science. And I would say I grew up in a place that had a more traditional education where there wasn't a lot of um uh, you know, push into creativity if you didn't have those natural kind of tendencies. And so, you know, I went into a very singularly brained environment through my education and my early career. And it's taken hindsight to realize why that didn't jive with me. And it's because I am a very equally, naturally equally brained person. And engineering was all left brained. And so it was like I couldn't it wasn't activating the other side, which was was making me feel uh, like oh, is incomplete feels like a, a really like woo term to apply to it. But you, you know what I mean? And so that's a good way to look at if something is missing, there's probably a like a re, a very like almost a scientific reason that you could come down to why, because there's a part of your brain you're not stimulating. That's so true. And there's so much available to learn about this stuff. I mean, you know, unlike yourself, who is very diligent and very focused and very left brain when you were young, I was kind of totally the opposite. I was I was on the road with the Eagles Hotel California tour when I was 17 years old, smoking pot and doing the drug, sex and rock and roll thing. So that's kind of how I began. So I wasn't very regimented as far as uh, the whole educational system. And I have plenty to say about that. We'll do that on when you come onto my show. But, Deal. you know, they're different people, different strokes. And it's OK to come from all different parts of life and kind of like work it and kind of blend together. Everyone has something great to offer. Well, and this goes back to, I would say, the overall conversation that we've been having is that we continue to evolve even if we are resistant to it, right? People hate change, but it is one of the few certainties in life. And if you can embrace it and roll with it, everything goes a whole lot better with a whole lot of, a whole lot less resistance. I love change. I love cash a little bit more, but I'll take the change. And you remember when Clinton was running for president, he used a Fleetwood Mac song about, um, about change. And that was like his whole platform for his presidency or his future presidency was about change. And Obama talked about change. And all of these people in the public eye talk about change. There must be something to it. You know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And I think we should all believe that and understand that. That is 100% true. So, uh, or there's smoke, there's fire over there in Hawaii. How does everybody tune into you and, and the, the pay it forward part of life that you're in? How do we, how do we listen to your podcast and get more of, of your wisdom? You can, you can go to one of my several websites. You can go to Hawaii Food Tours. 
www.jeffreyhart.com. That's a website that I have where my personal telephone number is right there and my email address in case you don't want to call me and you just want to text me. That's or if okay. you want to email but him to ask call. him if you can text him to see if he's available for a call, you can also do that. Exactly. That's the other step. So you can call me, you can email me, you can look up Matthew Gray Hawaii and there'll be thousands of pages on the Google. Um, I Googled myself this morning, by the way, before this interview. So uh, I suggest that everybody does that every day, but reach out to me. Um, my name of my show that you're going to be my guest on because I dig you uh, is called 50 Tastes of Gray. Best, so I hope that that's provocative enough for best. you podcast title ever because you are one of the only humans who could have that podcast title and it is exceptional i can't wait to be on i nailed it on, on the it. name of, of the yeah. show now i just need to nail it with awesome guests like you so i'm looking forward to your appearance I'm now gonna be now we're just stroking my ego soon. everybody no i'm kidding but yeah you nailed it <laughs> so um i will come and i will come and and um you know spew random words maybe somebody will get something out of it and, uh, and it'll be an oh, awesome will, flip absolutely. side to this conversation. You know, and Angie, if you or anybody who's watching us right now is planning on a visit to Hawaii or they know someone who is coming here, I have written a book that I released last Valentine's Day called The Ultimate Eater's Guide, Hawaii Edition. And it's full of life hacks and food hacks and maps and just yummy deliciousness if you're visiting here. Because if you're like me, when you go on a one week vacation, you're not looking at like where, what museums I'm going to go to or what buildings I want to see. You think about 21 meals and I'll tell you where to eat during that one week vacation. And then all the other stuff will still be there. You can still see the buildings and the, the museums, but like the food, I become pretty bitchy if I don't eat. And I think that most people are like that. So food is where it's at. And I will show you and I will tell you what to do with the food thing. If you're interested. I'm, I'm laughing because uh, when we go on vacation with my husband's family, they are the people that are like, let's go to the Kitty Hawk Museum or where is the nearest war site? And I'm like, uh, I'm going to go get a donut, right? Like, <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> so thank God another person on earth understands me that f food trumps a museum any day. So this is amazing. So he's a All podcaster. You're an author. You've got, you're a business owner and you're, you've got all kinds of awesome stuff going on. So I hope everybody out there will, at the very least, go check out 50 Tastes of Grey podcast. Look out for yours truly on that. Because uh, this is, you've got great words of wisdom. This has been amazing. Thank you. You're, you're, you're fun. Like I said earlier, you're someone I want to get to know. And if people want to look at the show, um, 50 Tastes of Grey, you can just go to YouTube at this point because I haven't even released it yet on the podcast audio only version. So you can go to YouTube and just type in 50 Tastes of Grey and there I'll be uh, doing this kind of a thing with, with awesome people. Love it. We are early adopters of 50 Tastes of Grey. I love it. And all of you have gotten to hear this. Is, there's there's just a, a lot of just sound advice from somebody who has lived in this episode. And I appreciate you for sharing it. Oh, thank you so much for, for inviting me. It's been a blast. Way better than I ever thought it would be. Everyone, it's been so much fun meeting you all. And Angie, you're a blast and a half. And so I look forward to uh, keeping this communication alive. Likewise, uh, once people come into my fold, I don't really easily let them go. So you might be stuck with me. Welcome to the No More Mondays movement.
Oh, it sounds like, is that a threat or a promise? I don't know. You remains to be seen. <laughs> okay. <laughs> How's that for a deal? Well, uh, you can decide when we Good. do conversation 2.0, when I am a guest on 50 Tastes of Grey. How's that sound? Fantastic. Love that it. sounds good. It's a deal. Mr. Matthew Gray coming at us all the way from Hawaii. Thank you so much for sharing your story, your life adventures, and the wisdom that you've gained through it. I think it left everybody here with some food for thought. Oh, good. Good one. I like I liked the pun. I didn't, very I didn't try excellent. very hard on that one, but I realized as it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, yes, another pun. And uh, for all of you out there, if you do want to leave us a little comment, tout our praises, give us a suggestion, or grab all the links from today's episode, visit us online at nomoremondays.info. And in the meantime, it is also a huge help to be podcasters if you subscribe to us and leave us ratings because it just helps us be more visible and continue to bring these stories. So I want to thank Mr. Matthew Gray for being here. I want to thank you all for listening. I hope that you will reach out to us and give us your feedback on how we are helping you live a life of Fillmore More Mondays. And until next week, I will see you again for another edition of No More Mondays podcast. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your life and career. Don't forget, visit us online at nomoremondays.info to get all the details, show notes, and recommendation from this episode. No More Mondays. We drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit us online at careerbenders.com.